Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, I got to be honest with you, you're um, you're catching me at a rare moment here, um, because I got to be honest with you, I'm just so exhausted right now, and you know, it's my own fault as usual. You know, I just bite off so much more than I can chew sometimes. Actually. I take that back. I do chew it, but it just wears me out. Um, Over the past few nights, I've been on two different radio shows that are both overnight radio programs. Um, So I'm talking about, of course, Coast to Coast AM, which being here in Puerto Rico uh, at this time means Coast to Coast AM is on from 2 to 6 AM. And then I was on Midnight in the Desert with Heather Wade, and that is on here, 1 to 5 a.m. You may or may not realize that Puerto Rico's time, part of the year, aligns with East Coast time, and part of the year it doesn't. And that's because they don't don't honor daylight savings time here. So part of the year, uh, the time in in Puerto Rico is the same as as New York, and then part of the time it's an hour ahead. And so this is the part of the year when I'm four hours ahead of the West Coast, and both of those shows are West Coast based shows. So anyway, so I stay up all night, and and you know it's not like you just wake up and get on the phone or put on your headset or whatever and you're on the air in 30 seconds no i mean it takes time to prepare before the show you got to get everything set up properly people want to do sound checks and all this kind of stuff and then you know you 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 don't want to sound like you're sleepy or something and so you drink uh maybe a cup or two of coffee sometimes i'll have a red bull whatever and uh, then you can't go to sleep the rest of the night, and then the next day, guess what? You got to get up and you got to do normal people stuff. Um, and so, pretty much, when you do uh, a couple of radio shows like that, uh, almost back to back, you're not gonna, you're just not gonna sleep for a few days. And that's not all. I've done other shows as well. I, I was on Beyond the Darkness with Dave Schrader. Um, and, uh, that was not live, but, uh, that's a posted podcast that you can listen to freely right now. And, uh, I just have a whole slew of other interviews to do. So I don't know, I, you know, sometimes I just, uh, <laughs> I, I schedule things because I love going on radio shows and I love talking, but sometimes I do, I think sort of overestimate, um, the amount of energy that I can I can put out, you know, because you're talking about shows that'll go on for hours. You know, when I was on Coast, I was on for uh, at least three hours and over three hours on, on Midnight in the Desert. I was on almost the whole show. You're talking three and a half hours. And then, so anyway, look, I'm telling you this because maybe you're interested in sort of behind the scenes, what it's really like to to do that kind of thing in addition to this podcast and i'm writing a book by the way i don't know if you've ever written a book before but if you've not written a book writing a book is hard and i'm at the point right now which is the hardest part of this particular book i'm writing which is of course going to be a companion to my um, 
event there in Vegas in May called Finding Your Magic. Usually I find when you're writing a book, in, in my opinion, in my experience, the hardest part is getting the first paragraph right. And that's so difficult because that first paragraph, I mean, even the first sentence of the first paragraph, it really sort of sets the tone for what the entire book is going to be. Uh, so that's usually the hardest part is, is, is setting that tone. In this case, that wasn't hard for me at all. Uh, in this particular case, having published over 20 books, and I'm talking, you know, I've published every kind of book you can probably imagine, um, novels and nonfiction and children's books, and I've published poetry and ebooks and like all kinds of stuff. Uh, so when you, you, you get to, to this point on this particular book here that I'm in, in the middle, this is where it gets hard because there's so much meat and I'm really digging deep here, uh, with this book. I'm, 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 I'm not just digging deep though. I am trying to, um, make everything succinct so in other words i don't want this to be a big long giant book i'm not like a stephen king type writer you know i have written books that are four or five hundred pages i mean i've done that but i i this book doesn't need to be a giant book and in some ways it's harder to write a book that is smaller if you want every sentence to have more power and meaning. I think that goes back to what Hemingway was always trying to tell us about um, cutting out what's unnecessary so that every sentence has as much power as possible. So anyway, so I'm doing that. Uh, I'm also uh, producing this television series from here in Puerto Rico. That's going very well. I can't talk much more about that at this time for obvious reasons. Uh, I've got a lot of other things going on, but in the midst of all this, well, the power's been out here again most of the day today. And when I first came down here in early February, I guess I was just lucking out because the power was on most of the time, but now it's becoming more frequent, uh, the power going in and out. And uh, that's annoying, obviously. Um, I am so lucky that I have a sunshine simple solar generator. I'm relying on that now more than I ever have. Um, but it is scary when the power goes out and you're not sure when it's going to come back. I mean, it could be, you know, again, we're talking months. I mean, there they, you don't know. I'm, I'm on an island that's a thousand miles out in the middle of the ocean here. And, um, they're struggling. And so it's becoming clearer and clearer to me uh, as time goes on that I have to scale my operations back here because I am such a technologically um, involved person. I mean, everything that I do is really dependent on technology, communication. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm self-employed. I'm an entrepreneur. And uh, I rely so much on computers and the internet 
Um, that is just sort of the foundation of who I am and uh, how my businesses work and all that. And, and I have a lot of businesses. So um, I just can't be out here on this island right now when it's in this state. Uh, when you never know what the power is going to be like. And, and, of course, I still don't have regular internet or cable or or anything like that. The hot spots are doing a fine job, though. I really want to give some props out there to uh, AT&T and T-Mobile. Not like they need it, but, you know, that's sort, sort of what's keeping me connected to you. Um, so, anyway... Um, and by the way, when it comes to T-Mobile in particular, if you're looking for an unlimited data plan, go for T-Mobile and ask, you know, go in there and ask them. And I swear to you, I'm not being paid by T-Mobile. This is not a T-Mobile advertisement. I wish they were hooking me up with, with my thing. That would be nice. But no, I'm, I'm just telling you honestly, if you're looking for an unlimited data plan, go talk to the folks at T-Mobile. So anyway, so here I am. Um, I'm working on all this stuff from this island where you never know from minute to minute what your day is going to look like. And then I'm compounding that uncertainty with working on all of these technologically intensive projects and uh, and weird hours and all that. So I, I am definitely in a different state of mind. And sometimes it just sort of catches up with me. I was having a conversation last night with um, a lady who owns a local restaurant that Lauren and I love about the fact that the gravity in this area is very, very weak, which also might distort your sense of timing. Um, Having worked in radio for a long time, I mean, usually, if you were to say, okay, Josh, here's a stopwatch. Uh, I want you to read this and make it 45 seconds long. I think I could usually nail it, you know, right pretty darn close to 45 seconds here uh even that's off my my sense of timing is off and i really do think that the weak gravity here might affect something about the way the brain processes all that so anyway um don't mean to bore you but again maybe those are things that you find interesting what i do want to talk about though um in this particular podcast is the fact that of course the reverend billy graham died just uh i guess a couple days ago and a lot of people have contacted me to ask me my thoughts on that and you might think that's weird but i know why they're doing it and that's because that I, of course, was born and raised in Asheville, North Carolina, and I lived most of my life right down the road from Billy Graham, who has been called over and over again in the media America's pastor, because he was giving religious counsel to presidents, starting with Truman. Billy Graham was born in 1918, so... He was almost 100. If he'd lived to, till this November, he would have been 100. And uh, if you look up all this information on Billy Graham, you will find that they claim, the authorities who've kept up with his career, claim that in the history of Christianity, nobody did more to spread the word. Nobody reached as many people as Billy Graham. 
So, other than Jesus, who who really didn't reach that many people directly compared to Billy Graham, Billy Graham did more to spread the message of Christianity than any other person in the history of Christianity. And of course, that is because he took advantage of mass media and all that. He was never involved in some kind of big scandal. And so, yeah, Billy Graham always lived uh, right down the road from me. And so people assume that I may have met Billy Graham. And you would think that I would have. Because, heck, you know, I just stumbled into Mr. T recently. And yet, I never met Billy Graham. Uh, I even have friends like Dr. Bill Forstian who live in the same town where Billy Graham lived, Montreat, North Carolina, which is right there near Black Mountain. And uh, I I'm, have no doubt I've been within a baseball's pitch of Billy Graham on numerous occasions. But I never just never ran into the guy, and, and I never made an effort to contact him. Um And I think the reason I never did was because what I can tell you is that whether or not you agree with Christianity, whatever you believe, that's your business, I think that Billy Graham really was a very sincere person and that he believed everything that he was saying and everything that he was preaching. And he was also a very humble person, which is what you would hope for Uh, from somebody who is proclaiming that they know something about the lessons we attribute to Jesus. Because the point is to be humble uh, and and not to, you know, make yourself into some kind of a spectacle. And so um, I never, I never even honestly felt like I should contact him because I I didn't... um, I didn't confuse the message with the messenger, so to speak. And I think that's how he would have wanted it, and I think that's how he lived his life. So, even though I never met Billy Graham, it's interesting now that he's dead to watch how the media has been covering him and the relationship that they feel he had with God in his own mind. And uh, there was, I, I guess I was watching ABC World News right after, I think it was the day he died. And they played a clip of Diane Sawyer interviewing him and saying, so something to the effect of like, when you die, you know, what do you want people to say about you? And he says, look, I don't care what people say. I only care about what one person says, and that's the Lord. And I want the Lord to say, hey, thank you for doing a good job, faithful servant. And I don't even know if he's going to say that, you know. So it's interesting to think about somebody like Billy Graham, who lived basically a 100 years, spread the word of Christianity more than anybody else, and now, you know, where is he, right? Like, that's the, that, that's sort of the point of this. Where is that guy? You know, is it, it, are they parading him around somewhere, stroking harps? Is he eating a, a big ice cream cone right now? Like, what is happening 
to Billy Graham, right? And mind you, because I grew up in Western North Carolina, my parents were never um, extremely quote-unquote religious, but I did go to Southern Baptist churches. So if you, the closest thing I could be associated with is a Southern Baptist. My mom and dad are... They, they do consider themselves Christians, and they know a hell of a lot about the Bible, um, but it comes from more of their direct experience of just sort of reading it and interpreting it directly than it does, um, you know, from filtering it through the eyes of some pastor. So that gives you a little, little insight uh, into my upbringing when it comes to religion. So, yeah, what's happening right now? Billy Graham. So I started thinking about that. What an interesting question that that is when you're going to do a podcast. And it reminded me of a couple of things that I want to bring up here. One of them is a quote attributed to Jesus that I've always found kind of chilling. Um, And I want you to also realize that I do not take the Bible as literal truth. I don't think that that is possible because there are many, many self-contradictions in the Bible. So I think the Bible is a fascinating ancient document that has got some great lessons for all of us. But I, I as, a, as a person who works in the writing and publishing industry, I know that whatever you write now is not going to be the same thing that gets reprinted in... 10 years probably, much less a few thousand years. So, you know, and and translations, etc. So that's sort of where I'm coming from. So that said, here is this uh, quote from the book of Luke, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, where Jesus is talking to people. And he says, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be known. What you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the housetops. And I say that's chilling because we run around, all of us do, feeling like we have this thing called privacy, don't we? And even if you're not doing something bad, you still don't really like the idea that maybe somebody's watching you take a shit, right? And so, this is a very interesting quote because it makes you think like, well, what if that's right? And and, and if that is right, uh, how detailed are we getting here? And... You could say, well, no, he's he's talking about the fact that God sees everything and that you're you're gonna have to face that when you get judged, you know. Um okay, maybe. That sounds fine. Like, you know, that's no problem, I guess. It's kinda like I guess when you watch your dog do something stupid and you're like, Really? You don't think I'm seeing that? I'm a human, you're a dog, you know. Um we don't really even care that much. We're like, eh, it's a dog. Of course it's going to do that stupid stuff. It's a dog. Um, we, 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 we'd like to think it's that, but 
here's something that's even more like bizarro and possibly troubling. Um, there are all these people, you may or may not know this, all these people right now, I guess it's a little popular thing to do, who are coming out in the media saying that they are time travelers from the future. And um, just so you know, generally speaking, when someone pops up and says, I am a time traveler, I don't believe that. I think that, you know, if you were to go with Occam's razor about what is most probable, that they're probably not going to pop up and say I'm from the future and tell everybody about it. And and the reason is if it, it, it may certainly be possible to travel back in time. But if you do that, then um you don't want to jeopardize your own existence in the future by affecting the past, right? So it's like the butterfly effect. Anything that you say or do can affect the chain of events that eventually are magnified into the future. So some little thing here gets blown out of proportion over time. A little alteration becomes a big alteration, and and you might not even exist. So you'd think that people from the future, if they actually could come back and physically interact with us, those who would do that would actually not exist anymore because they would probably screw something up. So maybe when you have people who say, I'm from the future, um, there is some kind of inherent paradox uh, about that. This is reminding me of, I think it was you know what Einstein called the grandfather paradox or something along those lines. But... Okay, let's say I'm totally wrong. It's just like Michael J. Fox. You, you, it, it, you know, you can it, th- th- this can work. You can travel back in time, and you can be physical, and you can run around and have parties and hang out with people and fight people and all that. Okay, if that's true, I would have three questions that I would ask this time traveler. I would say, "All right, number one, how did you do this? How did you travel through time? If the, if you have a machine, I want to see it." Uh, if you did this mentally, like Christopher Reeve in the movie Somewhere in Time, okay, fine, maybe you, you can't show me, but maybe you can give me some coaching, but okay, that's one thing. The second thing would be, all right, you're from the future, cool, predict some stuff. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? You know, let, Let's just start simple. Um you know, depending on the period of time that you're going back to, there may or may not be specific dates that you remember. Like for me, for example, I'm a big Civil War buff. So if I went back to the year 1850, then I would be able to tell everybody, oh, you guys have no idea what's about to happen, but I'm going to tell you. (laughs) In 1861 at Fort Sumter in South Carolina, here's what's going to happen blah 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 right so that would work out well for me but if you transported me back to the year like 1603 i probably wouldn't be so good at telling you exactly what was going to happen so that's the second thing that you would look to is predict some stuff for me but the third thing is um well what if uh you had to reproduce something technological now, I know you might be listening to this and think that you don't have that much 
technological ability. Like me, for example, if I went back to the year 1850, I feel confident that I could tell everybody, look, I know how to create an airplane. And they would say, huh, what's that? And I'd be like, a machine that flies, that's heavier than air. And people would be like, no friggin' way. And I'd say, yeah. And I think I could make an airplane. I think I could create a cigarette lighter. I think I could create a pretty cool battery. I even think that I could create a phonograph. And I'm not 100% sure when the phonograph was uh, invented, but I know it was after 1850. I'm pretty sure that I could create a thing that would record sound and play it back, and that would really freak everybody out. So I could do that. So I want you to ask yourself, if you had to go back in time and prove to people you were from the future, what is something that you would be capable of creating, some technology that would show them that you were from the future? I asked Lauren this question, and she had to think about it long and hard, and she said, how about a zipper? Now, look, I don't know exactly when a zipper was invented, but, you know, again, she said, I think I could create a zipper. And I was like, that's, that's a good idea, if you think you could make a zipper. Maybe Velcro, you know. So it could be anything. Now, you might be asking yourself right now, why in the hell am I talking about this when we were just talking about Billy Graham and God and all that? Here's the connection. What if people from the future are not able to necessarily travel back in time and hang out and interact with us, but they are able to view what happened in the past. Now we're getting into something that's much, much more realistic. The idea that people from the future might be able to to see the past. Just watch it. Like a TV show. Like all of this is a big reality show. And if you have this impression that somebody's watching you, maybe it's because there are a lot of people watching you. Millions, billions, trillions of people. Even other species that haven't even evolved yet, that will evolve someday in the infinite future, are looking back and watching us and casting their own judgments on us, just like they do on American Idol. And so if you sense that you're being watched all the time, maybe it's not some big guy with a long white beard in the sky named God. Maybe it's all the people of the future at some point who get to look back and see everything that happened, and they're watching us and listening to us, and they are just chuckling at our mistakes and our follies and all that. And maybe that is a part of what Jesus was talking about when he said, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. How could he have ever explained this concept any other way? Right? If he'd been like, okay, in the future they're going to have a thing called television, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, he's not going to go down that road. So you ask yourself, all right, what does all this mean? Well, we, we're just not smart enough to figure it out. 
And we don't know where Billy Graham is right now. And we don't know how to take things literally versus figuratively because we're just not smart enough. But when it comes to this idea of religion, whatever you think of as your religion or your spirituality or your philosophy, I think it can definitely be best summed up as it has been by all the ascended masters in the Bible, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, when Jesus says, and I'm going to read it from this version right here, do to others what you want them to do to you. This is the meaning of the law of Moses and the teaching of the prophets. It's the golden rule. Now you can break that down and you can dissect the complications of life because there are things in life that are complicated like the genetic stuff that I was talking about in my last podcast and what the ethics and moralities are of influencing say the genes of a baby so that baby is supposed to be more healthy or whatever you know these are things that to get very specific but generally speaking when you are here in this experience and you are going through your daily life remember that do to others what you want them to do to you and most of the time you'll be fine most of the time wherever you are whoever you're talking to whatever you're doing you'll be just fine that said I will leave you with this as I wind down this podcast I do believe, as I pointed out in my book called Use the Force, that we can rely on this concept called sympathetic resonance, which is more or less what the golden rule is is about. The idea that when you physically send out a signal, that that signal will be returned to you in some form. So if you right now are having a bad day and you feel lost and you feel like there's nobody guiding this big machine called life, then what you're going to do is feed into the chaos. But if you stop and you think to yourself that maybe the universe is an intelligent entity and you imagine that there is such a thing as a God that cares about you, then guess what? Your, your, your universe will begin to organize itself and suddenly wonderful things will start to happen in your life. So I want you to try this out. If you've never done this, this is, it's never too late to start. Just try this out. Call it, call it an experiment. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. I want you at some point today to say out loud, You can do it by yourself or in front of other people. It doesn't matter. I want you to say out loud, God, I don't understand you, but I love you and I thank you for the good things in my life. Just try that out and see what happens. Again, call this an experiment. Now, if you want to write that down, Fine, I'll say it one more time. 
I want you to say out loud, God, I don't understand you, but I love you and I thank you for the good things in my life. Say that. Maybe do it over and over. Maybe do it throughout your day and just see if amazingly tomorrow becomes an even better day for you because that's how you establish some kind of a handle on your relationship with the universe and this giant mysterious creation because it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter how rich you are doesn't matter how well prepared you are eventually we're all going to end up just like Billy Graham ashes to ashes dust to dust what you have here is just an illusion a fleeting thing so that's my sermon for the day my website is Joshua P. Warren there is no period after the P if you go to joshuapwarren.com and scroll down you'll find all kinds of interesting images related to some of my recent radio appearances you can click around for hours and explore the gallery of the strange and the wormhole you can go to my curiosity shop you'll find a link to my big event coming up that's going to change your life if you are one of the 100 people who gets to attend in Las Vegas Um, all that stuff is there and there's a little red box on the homepage there at the top that has a link to this podcast Joshua P. Warren daily that's because i try my best to record one of these for you every day it's always free it's always short you can subscribe there uh, via various means or just follow me on twitter at joshua p warren and i will tweet when a new one is posted so that said uh hope you have an enjoyable weekend uh i'll try to record a new one for you tomorrow but yeah i'm out here on an island um (laughs) we'll see how things go hey thank you for your interest and support thank you for staying curious and i will talk to you again soon